This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> Hi, my name is Nick Offerman. And my name is Megan Mullally. And I, I don't know about you, but I feel uh, ambivalent about being Conan O'Brien's friend. I feel really good about it. I hope to. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues. Climb the fence, books and pens I can tell that we are gonna be friends Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends Hey, welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. This is the podcast where I, Conan, talk to people I've interviewed over the years on my TV job and try and figure out what's really the deal with us. Are we friends? Is it all fake? What's really happening? And I'm joined in this quest, if you will, by uh, Sonam Obsession, my assistant. Hi. And uh, podcast extraordinarian, if that's even a word, Matt Gorley. Hi. Okay. And uh, today, I'm talking to two of my favorite people ever. I absolutely adore them. Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman. I do think of all the people I've talked to, we are legitimately we're legitimately friends. Yeah. We have gone out socially many times. What was that noise you made? That was him. You made a noise? It, it was it was involuntary. What the hell was it? You seem skeptical about this whole thing. Well, let's just let's just keep chatting. You were saying we we've, we've gone out many times. Yeah, several. I wouldn't say many. Many. We've gone out many times. Okay. Okay. We've gone out many times uh, going back to, I mean, years, years and years and yeah, years. Yeah, at least 15. 15 or years. More, yeah. I absolutely love you guys. I love you individually, 
and I'm saying this, this isn't even a comedy riff, but as a united force, you're greater than uh, your, your separate parts. Does that make sense? You haven't seen all of my separate parts, so you might revise that. Oh, my God. She's taking off her clothes right now. Yeah. yeah and well, I do revise that. She's got, she's got, a, great, uh, she's got a great set of talents. Now, I, I, I made an incorrect assumption. I didn't realize this was a sincere conversation. It isn't really. What I like to do yeah, is when listen. you go insincere, I go sincere. <laughs> I, I startle you, I and like then it. you start to get yeah. sincere, and then I slam you with Cause, insincerity. Because the truth is Nick freaking loves you. Yeah. I, I, like, uh, he, he considers you a king among men, and that's not a joke. That's nice. I, I, I will lionize you at any given opportunity. He does. And he will. Well, that's right. Lionize. You don't hear that a lot anymore. When you first hear it, it, it makes it, the word sounds like it means I will tear you apart like a lion, as opposed to I will hold you in, in high regard. Right. I will render you uh, the king of any given jungle. That's so nice of you. Nick only uses big words when he's being interviewed. But at home, he's just like, I like cake. (laughs) (laughs) There's no better way to to state that sentiment. There's no uh, – I'm going to say this. I don't want to embarrass – you're both – embarrass you, but you're both uh, supremely talented people, but you're also real human beings. You're nice, good, ethical people. I've seen that demonstrated in private many, many, many times. And I admire that about you both. Well, I think that, thank you. That's very, very nice of you to and say. And I mean I, that. That's sincere. Well, I I feel like the reason that uh, we have had so many double dates with you and your beautiful and even keeled wife, Liza, is that we're, we have similarities in the department. As couples. As couples, but I will say there are differences, which is um, Liza and I are both a little repressed. You two are sexual animals. Yeah, we let it all hang out. I mean, we have talked about this before, but you are quite open about the fact that you're beast-like. And I mean that as a compliment. You mean anal? Not anal. No, I didn't mean anal. Okay. Why did you go to anal? Well, bestiality in the Bible, I think, is referring to in the butt. I didn't. I said beast-like, okay. not bestiality. <laughs> we'll get to that. And right. listen, maybe that's something you guys are into. I don't know. And I've and I've never listen in my life. To what he just said. Never in my life have I said I want to read about butt sex. Where's my Bible? It's never occurred to me. Well. Old Testament, New Testament? Uh, Leviticus, specifically, uh, is where, that's where all, all the good stuff is. Okay, thank you. That's, and that Leviticus is the home of abominations. Okay. <laughs> 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 so, but you two, I mean, you have told me personally stories about the two of you being in nature, in the woods, fornicating, and that it's this beautiful act and that animals are are watching you in Congress. Can I use that term? Coyotes. Coyotes. Mm -hmm. Coyotes watched you have sex. Mm -hmm. Where was this? It was in a park in off Coldwater. (laughs) Off Coldwater Canyon here in Los Angeles. Yeah, so we weren't like out like on a beautiful camping trip. We were literally in the middle of the city. 
Oh, so anyone could have opened their back door, seen you two going at it, and thrown cold water on you. Right. Mm-hmm. You were in an almost an urban area, but you found a sort of magical we found a, wooded area. Yeah, a little corner, a secluded area. It was it was early on, and it, uh, I feel like so many of the pleasures in our marriage uh, have been cruise directed by Megan, and this was no exception. Uh, it was after our play one night. We went to a fancy grocery store, which was a new thing for me, mm-hmm. and got a baguette and cheeses and a bottle of nice wine. And and she she knew the park. She, uh, she may have been there before me. Yeah, it wasn't my first coyote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> The coyotes are like, she's back. <laughs> and the squirrels are like, hey, hey, get the wood out there. She's back, she's back, she's back. Who's that guy? Let's see how this guy does. <laughs> uh, and, and I'll be honest, I'd have been, I'm very uh, ashamed of my own body, and I'm not comfortable. I, I don't think I'd be naked out in the world ever. I won't take my clothes off for my doctor. And then you two, you must have seen in Nick that he was capable of shedding his clothes and becoming almost this this naked werewolf yeah. who could commune with nature and satisfy your most base urges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing that I, I liked about Nick is that he's a really nice guy, but he's also sort of like a demonic, you know, serial killer. So there's both sides of that. Because if somebody's too nice all the time, you just want to punch him in the face. It's and boring. Then, yeah, and then the guys that are really bad are bad. Yeah. He strikes a balance. I get a um, satyr vibe from you, Nick. You know, yeah. the old Thank half you. man, half Hayden goat is. with with uh, big genitals that, that plays a fife and goes through the woods wow. and only wants to uh, have sex constantly and lives for today. That's what I get partially from you. But, you know, when I first met Nick, I had only ever dated these really, like, very skinny, boyish, kind of hairless, and draw- basically gay guys. Yeah. And you, you know, up until the end, you were describing me. Yes, up until the end. And, I have um, no body hair, but anyway, go ahead. And, and then I met Nick, and I didn't really know what to make of it all. And he, at the time, back then, that was in 2000, he was like, I'd say like 40 pounds heavier. Sure. He was a big, big man. A husky. And he I was husky. was bald for the play. He shaved his head for the play, and he had a mustache. And it wasn't that cute. I mean, there was a lot of back hair. I remember when I first met you, too, it was a Saturday Night Live. Oh, had yeah. a reunion show. I had not met you And you came up and you introduced me to Nick, and Nick was wearing a big leather biker jacket, (laughs) and he had a big chain (sighs) hanging off. And everyone else there was, you know, (laughs) Prince was there, and, you know, NSYNC, and it was just this ridiculous gathering of of people that were all dressed in their finery. All the greats. All the greats. Um, I think boys to men. Were present. Uh, only the Archies were there, acts, yeah. and then you show up and you did. Uh, you kind of look like um, it was interesting because my first take was this is not what I expected. This is not what I expected. You introduced well, me. I mean, it was there was a progression of events in Nick's um, sartorial 
styles, stylings, because when I first met him, he was wearing a pair of golden overalls that he would write. He used as a notepad, basically. So if he needed to write somebody's phone number down, he'd just write it because he couldn't afford, you know, paper. And he was living in a an unfinished basement of somebody's unfinished basement that didn't have an actual floor or walls. So he could just urinate indiscriminately in any given corner of his lodgings. You would do that? Well, I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> I'd use a jar. I've been in that situation. He and couldn't I've, afford a jar. I mean, no. I would. I would get. I would get a few feet away from my bed. Oh, I wasn't. <laughs> so you're an, civilized. Yeah, I wasn't an animal. Yeah. You know, so right. it started, that's where we, that was the jumping off point. And then by the time we went to like a fancy thing, he was really, like his idea of high style was turquoise jewelry and a crazy leather jacket. <laughs> he's still, you can tell he's still really, that's yeah, his dream. Those were the days. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I had actually met you. I just want to revise, just for the record, because I know this is going to go down in history. I had I had done your show. Yeah, you had already met me. I met yeah. as a couple. That's the oh, first time I met you guys right, together. Because right. mm-hmm. uh, now I think of you as one person. Yes, we are one. You've become Sonny and Cher. Yeah. Woodward and Bernstein. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, you're you don't mention one without the other. You're peanut butter and jelly. Oh. You're Leopold and Loeb. Look it up, yeah. kids. Uh, they were terrible, terrible killers yeah. uh, without remorse in the yeah, 1920s. They were, they were executed. I mean, right? Weren't no, they were not executed. They were put in uh, prison for life. One was killed in prison. The other was released uh, in, uh, I think, the late 60s or early 70s, moved to Puerto Rico and died there two years later. Well, Why do I know that? I don't like know. That. We are yeah. a lot like them. Kevin was a little, we went down one of my wormholes. Leopold and Loeb, uh, kids, look it up. One of the great murder stories of all time. But there isn't time for that. There's only time for you. Mm. Um, Megan, we've talked a lot about your family uh, in private, and you've asked me never to discuss it publicly. And and this is a (laughs) podcast, though, and I don't think that counts. You describe your family. And first of all, let me compliment you on the book. The book, The Greatest Love Story Ever Told, on the New York Times bestseller list, and also— the Los Angeles Times yeah. bestseller list. Yeah. Megan Mullally, Nick Offerman, the greatest love story ever told. Buy it if for no other reason, just the book jacket is the best book jacket I have seen. I don't know. I think in memory. The, uh, the book jacket, as well as all the photos in the book, uh, were the brainchild of Megan. She art directed all of that. It's really beautifully done. And these are great photos, fantastic photos. And they let me design the whole book, which for me was a huge thing because I don't usually get um, that kind of autonomy on any project. I'm just the hired help. You have so many talents. uh, People can sort of almost take it for granted that you're this great comedic actress, but you're also an amazing singer. I've seen you perform many times and you would be famous in your own right as a singer. Then I go to your home and your first question you want to ask is, what fancy person did you get to get you this art and this sculpture? And you did it. Mm -hmm. You love collecting and finding art and you're incredibly talented at it. And you could also make it as a top designer, home designer. That's probably what I would do if I wasn't doing... All the actings and things. You think you would really be a home designer, an interior designer? I almost, at a certain point when I wasn't getting a lot of work as an actor, I almost enrolled and tried to enroll at UCLA 
to study interior design. I, I mean, that it sort of takes your breath away. The times I've been allowed in your home and the times I've also gone in when <laughs> you're not there. Welcomed into our home. Uh, it, uh, it takes your breath away. The other thing that takes your breath away is I'll admire the furniture and it's absurd, but much of it has been designed and built by Mr. Nick Offerman. Mm-hmm. It's insane. I'll walk up to the nicest piece of furniture in the house. Oh, Nick made that. Yeah. I haven't made anything since I think I had popsicle sticks and I, tra- I traced my hand to make a turkey and then I put pop- popsicle sticks over it. <laughs> it recently sold at Sotheby's for $2.3. <laughs> well, uh, it, it's, um, it, it may be immodest of me to say this, but I, I think Megan's greatest talent is her taste. She uh, almost anything she puts her hand to is astonishing. She once cut our poodle's hair. And I it, and cut, it w- yeah, I cut our poodle's hair for years. And it was cuter than anything uh, Pixar has ever envisioned. I still do it sometimes. You know, the thing though is, I'm doggedly determined to not educate myself in any of these areas. So, like, I never studied acting. I never... I don't know anything about art. I just pick stuff that I like, and then, you know... This is infuriating to so many people listening. There's <laughs> something that's really appealing about both of you when I'm around you is that you're doing stuff that you love. It comes out of a, a need. Like, you need yeah. to make things out yeah. of wood. You need to, to decorate. You need to make people laugh. You need to sing. Well, you do, too. I mean, you, you know, we need to express ourselves creatively. You I don't. I just need the don't. money. <laughs> I desperately want the cash, and this was the best way to get it fast. <laughs> I need a lot of cash because I made some bad mistakes. honesty, yeah. But you said, uh, Megan, I think you— you described your family as very small, mostly dead, and crazy. Yeah. I mean— My family is scattered throughout institutions across the U.S. And your dad was a, like a practical joker, but not necessarily a funny practical joker? No, he was had a very dark sense of humor. And for like a couple of examples of his humor would be he and my mom and I would be— sitting at the dinner table, and then my father would all of a sudden pretend that he was having a massive heart attack and then fall over. He'd really, you know, he did commit, I'll give him that, fall over into his plate of, you know, spaghetti or whatever. And the first time he did it, my mom and I were like, is he dead or (laughs) what's going on? And then after that, we were just kind of like, you know, get out of the spaghetti. And then another time I came So your reaction home, when you thought it was real was to just wonder, huh, wonder if that's real or not. Yeah. Well, this is I probably, mean, it was probably terrifying. Why okay, good. Yeah, okay. because I was, you know, eight. Good. Okay. So it was really scary. I'm, I'm downplaying it for the sake of, you know, podcast listeners everywhere. I don't want to try. It sounds, it sounds like anyone. it would, it would scar you. Yeah. I don't want to be taken into child services. Um, but, uh, then another thing that he did was, like, I used to take the bus. The only year I took the bus was third grade, so say I was nine. And I came in the door. I didn't like being alone with my father because he was really terrifying. And so mm-hmm. I came in the door, and I'd, my, my, my mom's car wasn't there, and my father was standing at the top of the stairs, and I said, where's mommy? And he said, he had this vocal affectation that he did all the time, and he said, I'm sorry to tell you this, my darling, but your mother is dead. And I, for a second, I was like, wait. 
And then he said, and then he just kind of went on, he elaborated on how she had died. And it was like a lot of some, some children lose their parents at an early age and it wasn't going to be an easy life. And, um, and finally I said, you know, where is she? And he said, the grocery store. Oh my God. Yeah. He also told me one time. That's um, that's just, I mean. No, it wasn't cute. And he also told me one time when I was in high school that, um, he'd had to go to the doctor because he had a little skin cancer lesion yeah, on his yeah. ear, so he had to have it, like, removed. And I talked to him on the phone because my parents had been div- separated by then. And I said, how did it go? And he said, well, I'm sorry to tell you this, my darling, but they had to take the ear. And I said, oh, what? And he goes, yes, I, I don't want to frighten your little friends when I come by the house. And I, I said, I'm sorry to hear that. And he then did not correct himself until I saw him two weeks later and he had two ears. And I was like, and he'd already forgotten about it by then. Yeah, and and the other thing is, he's clearly not amusing you. So yeah. who is this for? Is it? It's know. just for himself. He might have been a teeny weeny bit sociopathic, just a little. That's a in, word in that a would cute, apply in the cute way. One of the cute sociopaths. Yeah, unlike Leopold and Loeb. No. Look it right. up, kids. Um, <laughs> I just—they were true sociopaths. I need to take a quick break, um, but we have so much more to talk about. For this segment, Conan O'Brien pays off the mortgage on his beach house. Why did you start to laugh during that? Why did you start <laughs> you to laugh? Because it's, it's not funny. It's a big mortgage. You made so many bad decisions. I don't think it's a bad decision. I think in the long run, it will end up being a good decision. But in the short period of time right now, I need to make some money. Okay? Okay. And we're going to do that right now. Pay down that mortgage. it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, 
we were all dancing the Jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone (laughs) cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's (laughs) happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not, that's more people than are on earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. (laughs) (laughs) That's one over 1 billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. And we're back. We didn't. We didn't really take a break. Yeah, we did so much during the break. You just heard a lot of stuff. I changed Uh, my. I I changed my clothes. That sandwich was delicious. Yeah, Yeah. I had radical face surgery. Um, (laughs) Nick, um, when I first got to know you, I really did think this guy comes from another time. You, you are not a, a man of this millennia. I really believe that you were, I think Sun you- from the future? I think, no, the past. I think from the past, I really believe, and I hate, to, I know I'm supposed to say yes and in improv, but no and. <laughs> <laughs> I really believe that you are a very honest policeman in 1840 and, um, and woodworker who makes puppets. And you came here into these times to talk some sense into us. That's the sense I get. You're very, you're old world. Well, what do you think? I come by it honest. I mean, I, uh, when, I, when I got to show business, it, it was interesting. I did recognize immediately 
how superficial it was. And I, I was immediately disinterested. And I, I said, okay, I'm not going to chase this particular brass ring. I'm, I'm going to continue working as a carpenter. And they have my number if they, if they need a slow-talking guy to drive a bus or, you know, play a plumber, they'll find me. And eventually, by, by dribs and drabs, you know, the business and I came together. But I'm in hindsight, I'm, I'm grateful that I had that wherewithal. I don't know, it comes from, I think, my parents from just having the sensibility to, to look at, it, at any given context and say, okay, all my peers that are putting themselves through this auditioning process. They're all stressed out. They're all depressed. They're all drinking way too much. And uh, I can do that. <laughs> sure. And still get paid to hammer nails. Um, and so I, I can't uh, I can't claim any great knowledge, you know, of my own accord. I think I'm just lucky. And, you know, I've changed uh, or I think I've changed a lot since we first met. And you've changed a lot since we first met. I, I wash myself as often as once a week now. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the Three Stooges used to say. They would crash through the floor and all three of them would uh, land in a bathtub. And one of them would go like, but it's not Sunday. <laughs> and I always thought that was, I didn't get that joke when I was a kid. And then later on I grew up and realized, because we only had to take a bath like once a week. Right. But then I later on realized that that's considered uncouth, that you're supposed to have a bath once or twice, you know, every, every couple of days. Yeah, really anytime you begin to stink. Oh, okay. Well, I, should, I could do better then. Yeah, step up your game. <laughs> I'm going to tell a quick story, and I know I've told this, I've recounted this to many people, but when Megan was in Seattle and you were doing um, Young the Frank. Young Frankenstein, and Liza and I were there visiting her family, so we hung out a little bit, and we went to see you in the show, which we absolutely loved. You killed it. And one day I mentioned I like to ride bikes, and Nick said, let's ride bikes together. So the two of us went on this long bike journey that took mm -hmm. us way south of Lake Washington. And then all of a sudden, I heard like a popping explosion sound, and Nick's chain just exploded, which can happen sometimes on a bike. And I'll, I'll say that as an experienced bikesman. <laughs> <laughs> so you know I'm really ride bikes. It exploded and pieces went everywhere. Now I know me, I would have gotten off the bike and said, oh, shit, my bike blew up. This was pre-Uber or anything like that, but I guess I just have to pick it up or hide it in a bush and then go walk and find a cab. Nick gathers all the pieces, and I said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I think this can be fixed. And then he said, I just need a flat rock. <laughs> And I didn't know, I thought he was doing a bit. And I didn't know you as well. And then you went and you found a flat rock. And this is me telling exactly what happened. You yeah. assembled all the pieces and you lay them out on a flat rock. And then you found another rock and you were inspected them all. And then you found the right one. And you started hammering the pieces back together again <laughs> until after about 40 minutes, you had completely reassembled the chain. <laughs> Using prehistoric tools. You got on, and then you went on your way, and when I brought it up later on, you acted as if... And anyone else, I would be bragging about that for years. You acted like it was unmanly of me to even mention it. This is what one does when their bicycle... When a machine breaks, you find rocks and you fix it, and then you're on your way. What's your problem, city boy? That's yeah, just, just proper comportment. I think you could have made, uh, if you needed to, in that moment, a radio using <laughs> using twigs and a dead rabbit 
and some manure. I think you could have made a pretty good AM FM radio that also got serious. <laughs> if you, that's it's so true. And we seriously, for many years, because we watched the show Survivor religiously and yeah. been to the season finales for the last two years, we have always said that we thought that Nick would kill on Survivor. That, those very reasons. Have you ever thought about that? You could go on uh, Celebrity Survivor and you could clean Not up. Not even celebrity, just regular. It's 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 been discussed. Yeah, it's. I mean, we we've sincerely looked at it in reality. Like it was actually maybe going to happen, and then he got another like an acting job. The yeah, the thing of the thing. So of you it would is, really do it? You would really go on Survivor? I would love to. I mean, I think it'd be really fun. I don't know. I think I'd be good at some things, but I'm not certain that I would be. You know. What do you think you wouldn't be good at? Because I can't think of one thing you wouldn't be good at. Uh, I I'm not sure how well I would fare in the social aspect of the game because what? everybody freaking loves you, right? But but, it, you, but you don't play games, right? It comes He's not. He doesn't. Oh, he has no. Lying. He has no, no he guile. He wouldn't be good at the lying. Yeah. And the, yeah. His brain. He's not effed up enough to. Yes. Think of how to screw everybody up. And also, you would probably say something like... But you are kind of... Okay, go on. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, one time we were staying in a hotel. It was in Seattle. And we were there for seven or eight weeks. And we had been in this same room for the whole time. And we were moved in. Like, we were living there, right? And they were like, oh, but there's this one weekend where we have to move you out of the room because we it's a honeymoon situation. And we promised these people, like you know, two years ago that they could have this your suite for the weekend. And we were like, wait, <laughs> we have to move all over everything. So Nick um, really surprised me with his revenge fantasies. And the one I remember <laughs> most distinctly was moving all our stuff out and being like, okay, fine, no problem. We'll just move into another room for the weekend. We'll move all, pack up all of our belongings. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Um, as we're doing that, Nick would somehow procure a dead, two dead rats, which he would put, he would unscrew the heating, the vent over the heating system duct, and he would put the dead rats in there and then screw the thing back on and then turn the heat on. And slowly dead rat scent would fill that room. Described it to me in such detail, like he'd thought it out down to the last detail. I do that. I think about it, but I don't do it. Right. Sona, this is my assistant, Sona. Just jump in for a second. I have a great, uh, I have a lot of pent up Irish rage and I have a good imagination. (laughs) I think of great things I I could do. Right. But I never do them, right? Right. But a lot of them have to do with murder, too, about how you would murder. And (laughs) so it gets a little bit more dark than putting rats in a vent. Oh, yeah. No, which is also uh, really screwed up. I'm sorry. It's a good idea what you have. Sure. It but is. Yeah. I, uh, uh, if the other day, you know, I'm trying to watch my, I've been trying to uh, eat well. And uh, I've been told, you know, you can occasionally have a steak, but it has to be really lean. Just make sure it has no sauce on it. I'm in this shishi restaurant. Uh, it's actually more of a hipstery restaurant. And they have a steak that they serve. And it's the perfect steak. It's a really lean cut. And it just comes with vegetables. And it was the perfect thing for me to eat. And I was hungry. And it says, yeah, and we smother it in this butter sauce. And I said, great, I'll have that. But just, could you just, uh, could I not have the butter sauce? And this guy in like a tweed cap wearing (laughs) suspenders 
with a with like a, a hipstery mustache said no you have to take it the way wow. we, and I said no all I'm asking for is you know the stuff that I'm not allowed to eat can you just <laughs> not have that and the guy went hey man that's not our scene here you got to have it on and so he I said okay I'll just have the the fish then <laughs> and I said it like that and he went got it and walked away and I spent the next 40 minutes doing elaborate <laughs> with lies at the table ways that I was going to fuck with this guy <laughs> and screw over this restaurant and take them down and make them pay. And then, of course, every time he came over, I'm just like, oh, hey, yeah, I'm perfectly nice. Yeah. Left a really nice tip. <laughs> ate the fish I didn't want. But I was, you know, but God, I had great mm. fantasies. I think I was going to put his body in a heat vent. It's, I, I think that's healthy. I, I do a lot of revenge fantasizing myself. Well, I, so just to wrap just to wrap that up, I do think then you could do well on, on Survivor because I think that you do have that side of you, which is what I started by saying, which is that you're not just like super Mr. Nice all the time. You have another side. Can I ask you another question? Have you guys ever watched Naked and Afraid? Totes. Could you do, Nick, could you go on, could either of you go on Naked and Afraid? No. You, but wait a minute! You're in the woods with coyotes and butterflies watching no. you doing it like animals. Yeah, with like bugs crawling up your vag. No, mm. no. Okay. You, yeah, the vag bugs are definitely uh, <laughs> uh, would go on the in the con. I didn't know. Con. You know what? I have to. Look, I have a book of insects at home. I will look up the vag bug. I'm not familiar no, with it. No, I'm not down with. There's something. I that, mean, I love watching it. I think those people are. N- those are like committed. They're like hardcore survival survivalists. Yeah, but it's really weird. I the thing that I can't do is I grew up on the East Coast. I spent a lot of time traipsing around the woods and stuff, and I was sent off to camp. Bugs. It's the thing I love about Los Angeles. There's no bugs. There's no bugs. Well, soon to be no bugs anywhere. <laughs> right. Yes, and fr- frankly, I can't wait. Um, if that's the price we pay for, if, if it means global warming and the extinction of our species, all, I'm all for it. But, but I don't like the bugs. And on Naked and Afraid, the idea of being naked and being constantly attacked by bugs. All manner of, of insects. The thing I, I would like about it is, you know, learning all the crazy tricks that they have to, like, build shelters and, you know, they magically can kind of solve any problem with their the wherewithal that they've garnered over their years as survivalists. I, I find that fascinating. But they're naked. That's It's so funny. And That's, afraid. And afraid. And I'm always afraid when I'm naked. It's, it's a very, it is, is <laughs> my natural no, state. Actually, you're afraid to, be, to yes, be naked. I want to be on the show afraid to be naked. Yeah. <laughs> In which you're naked, in which you but you just huddle in a corner and refuse to take off your clothes. You're not even you're not even in the wild. You're in your comfortable home. Yeah, uh, you're in your bed. You're in your bedroom. I'm in my bedroom and I'm fully clothed. But the producers off camera are saying, "Please, you've got to take off your clothes." And I'm desperately and afraid. Yeah. yeah, but at the end, I always win hundreds of thousands of dollars somehow. <laughs> you naked with another with a naked woman who wasn't me. You would not. Nick is the most, he's the least likely man that I ever have known to not ever even look at another woman. It's kind of, it's Wait, so Wait, there's so great. many negatives in there. I can't, I couldn't I follow. I know, I can't. Said, I got confused. He's the least man who wouldn't not, <laughs> not, not. So I don't know I how that no, computes. I have no idea what Wait, just happened. Wait, so Nick around a naked woman who's not you, what? N- 
Nick he, he would be, be very incredibly embarrassed and wouldn't know what to do or where to put his eyeballs. I'd, I'd make her a three-piece suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Out of cherry wood. You know, out of, uh, out of a beautiful mahogany yeah. that you'd... Not a veneer. He's not a cheater or a. He's not. He doesn't ever even look at. It's weird. Look at other women. Yeah. Doesn't do that. That's nice. I think I would overcompensate in some way. (laughs) I would try to. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I do a lot of shtick about them being naked and me being naked, um, but all the while just humiliating myself. I think it's best that I not go on naked and afraid no, is what I'm getting to. You. And I think it's I best you that you not go on naked and afraid. I think so. I think none of us are going on it. No. It's out. It's out. I, I've been invited. And here's the thing. Here's really what it comes down to. Megan and I have a two-week rule. We're never apart for more than two weeks. I'm, I'm suspending it for this. You say that. Because I really want to watch but it it's on there. Not, it, uh, no, but I'm, I'm when really When it really am. comes down to it, when you go on Survivor, whether you're the first person kicked off or the, the, the winner, everyone has to stay for six weeks because you can't – the world yes. can't know who the, goes home. Who goes home. So – if, and they you, won't let anybody come visit. They wouldn't let me visit him if he got like if he got kicked off after four weeks or I mean. But yeah. you know what? You could. I mean, first of all, Liza and I would come and stay at your place. I love your house. Yeah, we'd stay there. Uh, you don't seem thrilled, but I'm. I th- I am thrilled. This is no. no. That's not what I'm getting at all. And I read faces. But anyway, <laughs> I would make it my business to be around and protecting you and uh, being a good friend to you. And uh, you wouldn't even miss this guy. Oh, uh, you'd be so many laughs, so many good times. My love for Survivor is such that this would be the uh, one and only exception I would make to our two-week rule. And I would and I would happily— That's a nice—my wife and I have a two-week rule. But ours is every two weeks she wants me to go away. <laughs> For eight weeks. <laughs> um, and it's, that's kept, a twist. it's a little different than what you guys do, but it's kept us together. Uh, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that you would suspend that. I would glad that you would do that. If we, if, if we did that and, and I agreed to it, uh, there's, a, there's a, eventually on the show, um, late in the, in the game, weeks in, they bring in loved ones of the contestants. Mm-hmm. And quite often when the loved one is revealed and they, they run and clasp each other, it could be a spouse or a parent or a sibling. I hope you'd pick me. They, there's a lot of sobbing and, and incredible emotional upheaval. Mm. I, I would fall on the ground and cry my eyes out because I, it, I, I, don't th- I don't know if I could be away from you for six weeks. That's yeah, really sweet. that's so nice. That's a really sweet moment. That's so nice. I'd start making love to coconuts. <laughs> uh, which you could probably it's fashion so that it's probably more pleasurable. Well, listen, I've, I've done a little reading on this. And if you're going to make love to a, a melon. There have been a few melons in his past. Let's just leave it at that. Obviously, you need to bore a hole. But the thing you might not realize is you want to chamfer. What do you bore it with, though? It's my question. Well, I'm guessing. Uh, Hopefully, your pocket knife. Yeah. Oh. So what would you do to the hole you in gotta the melon? Ch- you got to chamfer the edge of that hole because the rind is sharp and yes. it will really chafe. Yes. Ah. This is just something I've read up on. Huh. Uh, and, if you, and if it's a cantaloupe and you can warm it up for a couple minutes. Mm. How do you do that? Microwave? You won't what be you sorry. Yeah, a couple minutes in the microwave. Or, and then you've got chamfered edges and then do you how long can you keep the melon around? <laughs> <God>. <laughs> 
How long does um, it last? Well, <laughs> can you draw this for me? I sure. Yeah, I can. I okay. mean, there, it's kind of a one. Use I'm about to hit the road. On it. I'm about to go do a tour, and I'm going to be alone. It's a winner. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of despoiled. Well, it's hard to travel <laughs> with like a suitcase full of melons. Um, this took a turn. And you know what? Mostly, usually I would say I didn't expect that. But when you two. The respect you're showing for the melon is very touching. We are both, we are gentlemen. Yeah, I really And we are chivalrous Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, treat that melon well. The point is, (laughs) I would say to any other guest, I didn't see it going this way when you walked in. Only I did see it going this way when both of you walked in. Because you are uh, sex depraved. Animalistic, yeah. sensualists mm-hmm. who think nothing, uh, who you know, ravish each other nightly. And uh, it sickens me. I think it's wrong. I think it's evil. No, that's your problem. Want to get it I on? Mean, but yeah, you know what? You two are welcome to do it here. No one can see you. There'll be some sounds in the background, but I can hum to cover those sounds. Can you see him from where you are? Because yeah. you look really handsome. Yeah, you do. Right now. You look Conan. really good. What's you know going what? on? Did you have some work done? I uh, I got work done. I wish I had paid more for it. I went cheap. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, they, it looks, I mean. You yeah. get what you pay for. That's the problem. It's a place that said you're in and out in an hour. Oh. And, uh, wow. Yeah. They don't use anesthesia. <laughs> and they say they do take... Uh, they take bonded checks. And uh, so I went there and I said, just let's pull back the cheeks. And I got infected. Paying old melons. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Big sack over your shoulder. So my shoulder. Of used melons? Is that what you said? Yeah. 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 If they've been despoiled by a celebrity, then you can actually sell them on eBay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to, who wants a melon? Start a business. Do you want a melon that Nick Offerman fucked? (laughs) And then you watch the bidding go crazy. Uh, I apologize to everyone. All right. Uh, Megan Mullally, Nick Offerman. There's no greater couple uh, in the history of the world. We love you, We Conan. wish you all the best. We really do. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. And now it's time for a segment called Conan O'Brien Pays Off the Mortgage on His Beach House. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT Self Setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self Setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security as the intelligence of Google, well, <laughs> you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, 
and Nestaware are all trademarks of Google LLC. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up, and I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan. Matt, I believe in the beginning you said you might be ambivalent and you were a bit more positive. After this conversation, what are the prospects of continuing this friendship, do you think? Well, I feel like we were jesting when we said ambivalent. And by we, I mean Nick. That's right. We love Conan madly. And so I think everything has had a very, very, very happy beginning, middle, and end. Very nice. I noticed you two were holding hands almost the entire time, too. That was very heartwarming. We like each other. It's it's a habit. It's a nice habit. Yeah. yeah. If you could hold hands with her, wouldn't you? I sure would. <laughs> <laughs> Look at That was like a like a kind of E.T. sort of reaching. That yeah. was very sweet. Thank you guys for doing this. Thank you so much. Thanks for, for having, having us. us. Thank you. We love Conan. So... Why would you do that if you know I'm in the room? I'm sitting eight inches from you. You acted like you're in a well and you fell into the darkness and you're wondering if I'm out there somewhere. I'm right here. Okay. Conan. Yeah. The reviews are in for this podcast. And oh, uh, we're okay. doing we're doing well. We're doing well? Your, your podcast has five star ratings, which is great. Five star out of how many stars? Out of five. I didn't know that was out of five. Yeah. I thought that was out of 10. That's exactly where my mind goes. Oh, okay. That's I just see. the way I've been rated by most people in relationships that I've been in. Five out of five. That's that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So far, so good. <laughs> that's great. That's great. What's what are, the, what are people out there thinking? I want to know what they're thinking. Well, we're going to read some reviews. Okay. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep saying you're going to do it. <laughs> what if you were a pitcher in baseball and you're on the mound? You're like, going to pitch pretty soon. Going to pitch the ball. Going to pitch the ball. And you never did. Uh, Navalmar gave you five stars and, and their review is it's not bad. What? Yeah. It's not bad. And he's, and he gave me five stars out of five. Yes. So wait, that guy goes in to an Arby's and has a perfectly mediocre sandwich and says, eh, it was edible. Five out of five. He's man. He's just handing out five stars left and right. Not bad. (laughs) 
How about life changing? So the five stars. The five stars is there. Well, if you're going to write something after five stars, write, I now see what life is all about. Thank you. Thank you, Conan. Don't write not bad. What? Sue, Sue, Sue Dubs? Sue Dubs. No, Sue Dubs. I was reading that wrong. Sue Dubs said, your podcast makes me want to give you a hug. Oh. That's sweet. Is it though? Or is it that she feels sorry for me? It could be she feels sorry for you. It could be, oh, I listened to him and I just want to give him a hug. But I will also say when I was single, pity was the motivating force behind most of the women. That hooked up with me. (laughs) So pity is my friend. I think she may pity me, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. That's something to brag about. (laughs) Pity. Yeah, pity was, pity was my wingman. That should be the name of my (laughs) autobiography. (laughs) Pity was my wingman by Conan O'Brien. I would, I'd like to hug her as well, as long as it was all monitored and was done, um, you know, appropriately. Icky Madge. What? Icky Madge. Icky Madge. I, these are all screen names. I, I don't know what's going on. Icky Madge. Right. Said, uh, he's a ginger, but gingers are people too? Dot, 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 question mark. Oh my God. <laughs> this is brutal. And we're a very well-reviewed podcast. And these are the happy comments. Yeah, I'm a ginger, all right. Mm-hmm. And ginger are people too. Gingers. I should have made that plural. Ginger are people too. <laughs> Apparently we're not. We can't even speak correctly. No. Uh, yes. You know, gingers are, we're the one group that everyone feels comfortable making fun of. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, think about it. In this age of extreme sensitivity, you couldn't make that comment about any other kind of person. Mm-hmm. Do you but, think it's the freckles? But, uh, why would you focus on those? <laughs> I have a lot of freckles. You know, a lot of them don't show up on camera, on TV. Mm-hmm. Of course, they put makeup on, but um, my hands have a ton of freckles. My my hands look, uh, they just look crazy. They've got so many, right? You've seen my hands when I come back from like a Caribbean island. I look like a mummy that just crawled its way out of the tomb. I was surprised when I met you for the first time. Oh my God, it speaks. <laughs> Gorley, what are you talking about? You were surprised. The amount of freckles. You didn't think I'd have that many? No. What else surprised you? Be honest. The height. The height is, uh, people don't think I'm that tall. Your presence is commanding. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, You can't see this right now, but Gorley is saluting me. Uh, He is saluting me uh, the way they do in the Navy. Uh, So that, so seriously, my height and then freckles on my face or just in general? I'm only joking, but you, uh, yeah, you don't see them on TV. You don't see them on TV. But they're actually becoming. Because it, it kind of, it's part of you. you yes, know? it makes yeah. me more human. Well, they, they look good. Well, thank you. Yeah. All right, take it easy, pal. Yeah, I'll back off now. Yeah. I'll cut this. No, no, no. I like this. You want me to keep it? Oh, that? yeah. The one positive thing we've really heard about me. <laughs> oh, but three stars. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I, I get, Gorley, uh, when he met me, gave me three stars for my physical appearance. <laughs> but he does like the podcast, so I we've do. got that going. It was nice of him to cut in and say, that was nice. I, I hope he doesn't cut that out. I don't know. Well, you don't care. I don't, I don't know. Read another one. Let's keep this thing okay. going. Okay. Uh, let's see. Do you have trouble reading? No, I'm just trying to choose ones. Oh. <laughs> By Matt, 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 too. Near the end of life, it's important to record your voice so that the family can listen back and remember you fondly. Oh, my God. 
thinks I'm at the end of my life. Maybe he knows something that I don't know. Mm. That's eerie. Isn't that eerie? How old does he think I am? I'm not that old. What if that's some kind of veiled threat? I hope so. You hope so. Yeah. If it gets my name in the papers, you know. <laughs> the important thing is, I always say that when I don't know what I'm saying next. <laughs> the important thing is, I do believe he's correct that the recorded voice is important. And I'm going to say something else. Hmm. This is me just freewheeling here. People's last words used to be very important. And they talked about it a lot. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Like if one of the founding fathers was on his deathbed, he'd say, the Republic still stands. And then he would die. You know? Is that real? Did someone say that? I, I think people said things like that. People oh. used to say things like, and now I go to my rest. And then they would die. Stonewall Jackson, famously when he was mortally wounded, his last words were, take me over the river and into the trees. Oh, it was beautiful. Nice. And then he passed away. And I was thinking about it. There aren't last words anymore because they keep us going forever. And we're all hooked up and we have tubes in our mouth and stuff at the end. So our last words are like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to make you laugh. You know, Picasso wasn't always trying to make great art. Sometimes he was just okay. scribbling on a napkin. But my point is oh. that there are no last words anymore. Because someone probably says something really profound. Like when my time comes, I'm going to try and say something profound. And I'm going to say something like, and now let us to the other world and to the light. But then a nurse is going to come in and go, nope, we can keep him going for another year and inject all this shit into me and then jam a tube in my throat. And then I'm going to spend a year going. And they're going to say, what were his last words? He said something kind of profound a year ago. Well, wait, well, what, what was that? I don't remember. It was a year ago. What did he say just before he died? Well, those are his last words. I think something's been lost. Yeah. Conan O'Brien needs a friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Special thanks to Jack White and the White Stripes for the theme song. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It too could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, 
hanging in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.